We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to the Rotowire NFL Podcast. I'm Jeff Erickson here with Chris List. Today is Monday, September 16th, following a disastrous week two. Uh, just a lot of terrible things that happened on the field on Sunday. Chris, uh, before we get into our rants, let's thank Yahoo for sponsoring us. Okay, thanks, Yahoo, for sponsoring a terrible week. Sorry you get this and get us get all ranty and complainy, but... Uh, this was terrible. Tons of injuries. I just couldn't get over the number of injuries uh, that we get. And they're still streaming in, still getting reports since from the time that we finished our XM show where it, it finishes at 10 o'clock Pacific time, uh, 10 a.m. Pacific time on Monday. Most of the press conferences are done by then, but a few kind of straggle in. But it keeps getting worse. Ben Roethlisberger, Drew Brees, Josh Jacobs was banged up. Tyrell Williams was banged up in the second half. Uh, that hurt us because we had both those guys going in DFS. Uh, Josh, uh, James Connor, Devin Singletary, Michael Gallup. News came out on him after David Jones looks like David Johnson looks like he'll be fine, but he was banged up during this game. Even Darius Leonard had a ton of tackles. He's got a concussion. It just, it's a hard game played, you know, and it just seems like there's just, this is one of those weeks where it just piled on injuries. And the injuries were bad. You know, it's funny. I, I tweeted this out during the games. I said like these, the product is so bad right now. And it just seems like there's more penalties than usual. Maybe it's just recency bias or whatever. And Scott Pianowski just quoted Kevin Seifert of ESPN. And the tweet was, there have been 92 flags for offensive holding in week two per ESPN stats info. For comparison, there were 45 in week two. There were fewer than half as many in week huh. two last year. Largely the result of point of emphasis on backside blocking. I mean, this is just ridiculous. I, I, I felt like it was happening. And I was like, is this just cause it's this year and I'm noticing it now. Right. And I'd forget how bad last year was. No, it is twice as many, more than twice as many as last year in week two. The, you cannot run a, last year. There were too many. The, the number like 45 holding penalties is too many last year. And there's 92 this year. It's an unwatchable product. You just cannot have that. 
I don't know what they're thinking. I, it was a truly miserable experience watching the Almost game six per game. Think about that. It's six? almost three per team per <laughs> right. game. It, it's really amazing. And, you know, you figure you only have, what, 60 snaps on each side of the ball. So it's like it, it's a significant number of the plays. And that's just holding. That's not pass interference. That's right. not false start. That's not offside. That's not personal fouls. None of this stuff. That's just holding. Yeah. And obviously some crews are worse than others, you know, and they're, they're more flag happy than others, but nobody wants to see that. We're not here to see the refs. You know, the bears Broncos was just marred by multiple, you know, and you know, roughness penalties that unnecessary roughness penalties that were not necessary to call, uh, including the one on Bradley Chubb on the final uh, drive of the game. And that was a big, big, big call. But the Bears got called for two more like that earlier, too, and they contributed to the Broncos drive. So, I mean, just like they were, they made that a point of emphasis. This whole phrase, point of emphasis, you know, we're going to instruct you to go look for these calls. No, just call the game. Stop lo- trying to create, you know, cr- create this extra you know, layer of calls. And then we can point it out in film and see, see that. And then, you know what the, this broadcasters do this, but the NFL office and the, uh, the, now the ref explainers that we get, which is a new cottage industry. They're all like, well, see, if you look right here, he landed on him. No shit. He landed on him. He's tackling him. Yeah. I, I mean, right. The, the professional scold thing where it's like, Oh, Nope. Look, it really was. And the guy's like really good at pointing out exactly what the technical violation is that we don't need that. <laughs> we just need a better game. Or, and they can torque themselves it, to say, Oh, the ref got it right. That's the other thing. No matter what you, what it does, what, what happens. Oh, well, you know, every once in a while you get like, even the, the booth is like, Oh, well, that there's no way that was it. You know, that happened. Uh, Bengals Seahawks week one, one of the last, I think it was basically the last play of the game. Andy Dalton had, you know, you know, his arm was moving forward, throws this incomplete pass, but it was ruled a fumble. They did the review because it's an automatic review because it's a turnover. Oh, call stands. Even like, you know, Mike Perea or whatever, you know, uh, was like, no, I can't see how they called that. And it's it almost like, yeah, the game's over, but we just want the game to be over. And it, it probably wouldn't change the result. But it was just one of those, like, get it right. If you're going to have replay, get it right. Yeah, no doubt. So, and anyways, I, I just, I hate that. I hate the introducing of more calls. Just, yeah, we got to make our bigger impact on the game. No, you don't. I know. Yes. You're trying to protect these quarterbacks. I get it, but you're, you're going above and beyond just making for a worse product. And it's, it doesn't help, right? We've lost more quarterbacks than we've ever lost. Right. In like a couple of, it, it is crazy that if you, if you consider Lux retirement, which was something that happened only a few weeks ago, and then Roethlisberger and Breeze, Luck, Roethlisberger, and Breeze. That's three pretty big names. Then you have like Darnold, who's the second overall pick last just right. last year. And then you have Foles, who was a Super Bowl MVP just last year, like a year and a half ago. It's like it's a, it's a lot of quarterbacks went down in a very short span. Yeah, they did. Very much so. Um, and they'll be, the, you know, the, we're just we're just in two weeks in and we're having all these guys. We're still and that's not even well, including those that are going to get benched on merit. I'm, I'm going to write about this a little bit, maybe in East Coast offense tomorrow. But yeah, well, this or the generate never regress generational talents to historical league average norms. But it is there's so much chaos right now, like so many of the players people drafted like Joe Mixon. Like, is he even, is this even going to work for him this year in the situation? Lev Bell, you know, even Alvin Kamara, as great as he is with the backup quarterback for six to eight weeks. There's so many players that were drafted, Michael Thomas, Juju Smith, Schuster, that are already totally compromised from their draft day value. Tyree kills out half the season. And I remember like, you know, the, the Patrick Mahomes thing, like, Oh, well don't, you can't draft the quarterback in the second round, even in the six point per passing touchdown NFPC. But like for DFS, for daily, for fantasy week to week, you're like, what is the safest bet every week? It's Mahomes and the Chiefs. It's the safest bet to produce something. Everybody else can lay a total egg. I and mean, we thought Kamara had a good matchup. That this was a good situation. Nope. Loses his quarterback. Everything falls apart. You know, it's just like the most solid thing. It's just this one offense that's run by this quarterback. And we don't really know what the hill out. I mean, Kelsey will get his exactly what receiver it will go to. But you know that he's going to be the, the architect of it. And it, it's just interesting with all this chaos, you have this 
you know, all these penalties, turning games, all these injuries, changing the values of players so dramatically, so quickly. And it's like the safe haven, like the, the one, you know, obviously he can get hurt too, just like anyone else. But in terms of like, if they're healthy, reasonably healthy, even, you know, his best receiver is out. His value is pretty much unchanged. Like, think about that. You know, Camaro loses breeze. It's a real big hit. Juju loses Ben Roethlisberger could be a really big hit, but Tyreek Hill's out his best receiver. No big deal. At least for one week, at least for one half, you know, I, I, I don't think it's a big deal for Mahomes if, if Hill's injured. I mean, I actually agree with you. I mean, I I do actually agree with you on this one here. Just, I'm, I'm still steaming a little bit over that second half. I actually saw someone on Twitter claim that uh, the Raiders figured out Mahomes in the second half yesterday. Come on. They were out. It was a comfortable lead the whole time. Once the Raiders didn't score on that goal line sequence instead got picked off. I mean, there was no urgency from the chiefs and, and they started punting. The Raiders weren't going on fourth and seven from their own territory down 18 with like, you know, 15 minutes left. They started punting yeah. and what, you know, why should the chiefs do anything? Right. The, the Raiders just going to punt it back to them. Why not just run some clock? Not only that, the chiefs had, and not only that the chiefs had a game, uh, they had a touchdown overturned. Because of a holding call. We did that montage uh, on the uh, XM show today. And there was like six touchdowns that we played where they got called back. It just, uh, just let, you know, we want more scores, not fewer. Uh, Stop doing this. I mean, I don't really care. I I don't mind a defensive game. If it's a well-played, well-officiated, well-coached defensive game. I don't really care. But obviously it's fun to watch a high scoring game, but you know, the style isn't the thing. The thing is the quality. Right. So, and I, I just, yeah, it's, it's, it's a real problem. I mean, you know, I felt like in the afternoon, there are only three games and I was like, this isn't enough games to deal with this. Right. Like I have two modes. You have to understand in Portugal, I watched nine, 10 games at once, like everybody else, which is totally tolerable because you're just toggling between different things. If, if something is annoying, you've got so many options. And then I, the late games, I can't stay up late enough for. So I watch them on the condensed version, the 40 minute version in the morning Well, that's great. I really enjoy watching 40 minute games. It's, right. It's just with no so interruptions. Deal with any, no commercial, the commercials, it, you know, the, it's the music in the commercials that are so annoying. It's like the worst cheesiest music. It's always, it's like, it like offends me. Like I'm pissed about something going on in the games and I hear this music that like I would never listen to. And it's like, it, it's trying to like establish something. I can't really explain it. It's like, they're trying to show that the product is ironically this, or it's cool or it's something. Right. And I just feel like, but they think they're like in on the joke with the music and they're playing this music, but whenever it comes on, I'm not in on the joke. I'm just like, this is super disruptive, annoying. Plus the volume's louder. I I truly hate it. But on the rewind, it's just, you know, 40 minutes of clean. So I'm used to watching standalone games clean. And then the big slate in the morning, like, okay, I got a lot, a lot to choose from. But when they get down to three afternoon games, and there's, and I get stuck on commercials or there's just like the holding penalty. I'm sitting there watching it because that is the other two are in commercial. Yeah. That's three games at once. I'm having trouble with, I can't even imagine having watched some of these games standalone without it being edited. It's brutal. I can't even imagine how bad they would be. It's really brutal. And by the way, Indy, Indy, Tennessee was a crisp 33 minutes on, uh, on game in game cast or uh, replay or uh, whatever it's called on, on NFL.com rewind, rewind uh, you know, condensed version, 33 minutes. It was beautiful. I mean, oh, so nice to watch that there. There were fewer penalties in that game. There were pretty big. There's a lot of big penalties, but it was it was really kind of it was really refreshing to watch that there. You're absolutely right. The standalone games are tough, really tough. Uh, just, and the slate was dumb, too. Ten early games and three afternoon games. They didn't need to be. It didn't need to be that condensed. I saw the reasoning for that. I saw, you know, there's a good back and forth on Twitter. I think Jen Stad and Payne were talking a little bit by that, but um, it's because these East Coast and Central time zones. I mean, they don't want the late games for the most part. There, it, it hurts attendance sometimes. Not only that, they have to pay for more security. People get drunk longer and all that. Uh, and the you know, it's it's actually one of those things where like it, it's an, a stressor for them. I get it, but. Yeah, come on. You got to get at least four in the afternoon. I mean, just two on each channel. That's all I ask. So if you have a, if you have a 4 p.m. start in New York, you know, in the Meadowlands, I figure people will be tailgating since 10 a.m. So they'll be wasted by the time they get in. 
Right. And then they're drinking during the game with the flask or whatever they've got or beers of the game. And they're just totally wasted. And there's people like getting into fights, vomiting. Right. I mean, that's the, that's what they don't want to deal with. Exactly. But I say, you know, just deal with it. You know, let them, let them kill each other like animals. Let them just kill each other. And man, you know, it's a multi-billion it's dollar organization. They can afford it. a few extra security guards. Yeah. That's right. And plus the best, the best defense is good offense. Go and hit a few drunk people with the sticks before they get rowdy. These are, this is the voice of Chrysalis and Chrysalis only once again, uh, weekly disclaimer. We'll be like a fascist football state. We'll just beat the fans as they come in and get drunk. Seems that that's right. Way to stay on brand. Good. Good job there. All right. Um, that seems like as good a time as any for a quick uh, note before we start breaking down some of the other games here. Uh, quick uh, note from our sponsor, Yahoo. The NFL season is officially underway, which means Yahoo Daily Fantasy Football has returned. There's a million reasons to enter the free Yahoo Cup on Daily Fantasy, and they're all dollars. That's right. Yahoo Cup is free to enter, and a perfect lineup will win you $1 million every week of the football season. It's as easy as entering the contest and picking your players. If you're over 18 and a United States citizen... There's no reason why you shouldn't take your shot. Yahoo Daily Fantasy Football has new contests every week with guaranteed cash prizes. Even if you don't score a perfect lineup, you can still walk away from a game with a little cash. Choose Yahoo Daily Fantasy today. Get started now at yahoo.com slash daily fantasy. All right. News out of New York. Uh that it looks like they're they're trying to inch towards benching Eli Manning as the starting quarterback. Shermer, of course, doesn't outright say that, but he does say that Eli is not guaranteed to be the starter. Basically, he's trying to convince his superiors to allow him to bench Eli. Is the way I read that. Well, that's what the interpretation of uh, what's the guy's name who covers the Giants, Mike something. I'm not really in tune with the names of the guys. I would retweet. I quote tweeted him. It's so obvious, like what the deal is. It's just like Mara. Well, it's at least what he thinks. And I, I kind of agree. Michael Lombardi. Uh, he said that basically uh, his interpretation was that Shermer wants to change because he's watching the same tape we are. But somehow Gettleman, he says, maybe it's Gettleman and John Mara, the owner, are watching a different tape, meaning some tape that's in their heads, which does not correspond to reality. But as you see in politics, um, there's many. You know, Scott Adams always talks about this. He says that basically like people are watching the same movie, but they're seeing two different, they're in the same movie theater, but they're watching two different movies, you know, in politics, like literally they're just watching the, the same facts are happening, but they're watching totally different interpretations of them. Right. And I feel like that's what he's saying about, uh, Gettleman and, uh, and, and John Marr, that they're watching just like a different interpretation of the Eli tape. It seems pretty obvious to everybody else what's, what's going on. But in their tape, like Eli just, you know, isn't getting the support he needs and blah, blah. I mean, that's what he seems so to be So whose saying. fault is that, by the way, if he's not getting the support he needs? Who put the team together? Well, right. But even if you, even if you blame Mara and Gettleman for that, you know, you, you, if you don't think it's Eli's fault, then you wouldn't make that change. You wouldn't make that change. But the thing about – the reason why it's so ridiculous is you can always make a case for anything, right? You could say, well, you know, maybe, you know – the. Maybe Pat Mahomes isn't that good. Maybe it's just the support. You know, I mean, you could say anything you want, right? I mean, you can make any case and argue it, and who knows? It's possible. Maybe Alex Smith was pretty good with that. Maybe if, you know, even a guy like Matt Ryan were on the Chiefs, he'd be amazing. Maybe. But the but the thing about case like that is that only works on a relatively small sample. The lo- larger the sample gets, the more you're like, wow, Mahomes is great. You know, and when you think about the sample of Eli sucking – uh, it's now six years, you know, it's not like he had an off six games because the line wasn't blocking and we're not, you know, it's not obvious to the average fan, but this and that, this is a six year thing. The case cannot be made anymore. You yeah. know, Odell Beckham at his peak what, is a generational receiver. He had him, he had, um, they drafted Shepard in the second round. They drafted Ingram in the first round. They drafted Barkley. Who's a great pass catching back in the first round the second pick. I mean, they gave him everything they possibly could. They beefed up the offensive line in the off season. They signed golden Tate. who hasn't played yet, but I mean, they've tried to give Eli every possible thing the last several years. And he's been not just bad, but terrible. And he's expensive. I mean, it's, it's so overdue. And I, in my opinion, like John Mara, the reason it's not that he's really watching a different tape. It's that, you know, and again, this is speculation, but just, it's just sort of a, a generalization on, on how some of these things work is. I just think that, 
the Mannings, Eli, Peyton, Archie are NFL royalty, and they probably socialize with owners at events and functions. And he probably is on more of a friendship basis with some of these guys. And it's just harder for him because I, what, I don't even know if John Mara knows football. You know, what is, what is he? He's just the owner. He just inherited the team. He knows being a rich person and watching the game from the suite, but does he really know football? Does he really know? Or is it just sort of a, you know, a social thing that he does? I mean, so who knows? But my, my view is just that like this guy, you know, if you ever watched the show succession on HBO, it's like the guy who built the thing, Logan Roy, the father, the media magnate is legit. And his kids are a bunch of lost screw ups. And I just feel like this guy doesn't know what the hell he's doing. I mean, there's, that's not the only example. I mean, the way they handled Beckham, the way they handled McAdoo, they supported a terrible coach and then fired him because he benched, he dared to bench Eli. Um, they, uh, John Mars tried to stand by John Brown, the kicker who was uh, accused of domestic abuse and is more, it was a pretty persuasive accusation. And it wasn't just that, you know, he stood by or didn't stand by. It's like he immediately caved for public pressure. Like to, to me. And then he, they, they talked about bringing in Kaepernick, but immediately what the fans might think and everything, like he was just such a nutless monkey basically. And I think that's, what's going on now is that he's just, not just looking at football considerations. He's seeing it through like a different lens. He's worried about the PR, the public. And, you know, again, it's a bit speculation because he doesn't say any of this stuff. He just stands there and completely sabotages the team. I mean, they drafted a guy with the sixth overall pick that was considered a reach, but they have him now and they have to play him. They need the whole season. So hopefully just sort of the media and the fans and common sense forces Mara's hand and, Shermer gets to do what he wants to do. Yeah. Uh, for your sake, I hope that's the case. I hope that's the case. Now let's look at some of the other things in that game. Uh, the defense isn't very good either. I mean, that's not Eli's fault. That's not Jones's fault. That's probably not even Shermer's fault. Um, they just, they're, they're lacking talent. Yeah. I said they're, they're a top 32 defense this year and <laughs> they may even be top 31 because the dolphins are so bad too. That That's a close, that's like a, 31 and 32 are dolphins and giants in some order, but they they just offer no resistance at all. I Bengals mean, offered no, pat- none either on, and we, at least in week two, they might be right there in that universe too. I don't think, I don't think the Bengals are in the same realm as the Jets. The Bengals have a couple of good players, decent secondary, the giants, they have almost nothing. I mean, they, they have a rookie corner. They took in the first round is getting torched. Doesn't seem to, fit into the scheme. They have uh generous Jenkins who was pretty good a couple of years ago. I don't know how good he is now. They got rid of their best pass. They were like second to last in sacks with 30 last year. And then they, their sack leader was Olivier Vernon who they traded for an offensive lineman. Mm-hmm. So it's, I, I, they get zero pressure. They don't stop. They, they just can't stop teams from converting and secondary is not good. I, I think it's, it's pretty dire and it, you know, fine. That's not Eli's fault, but it should be a shootout then, right? You have a bad defense. They put the money into the offense and, it's, and that's not happening either. Yeah. Yeah. You're right about that. It's kind of funny. Two of the worst five teams in the NFL, at least according, you know, I would guess at least according to perception, if you took a, like a poll of everybody who said, who are the first, the five worst teams in football, two of them would be in your division giants and the Redskins. Yeah, I don't put the Redskins quite in that class. The Redskins offered a decent amount of resistance at Philly. Uh, at Philly, yeah, they were home against Dallas, and there was some cheap stuff in that game. I can't remember. I was watching; it was very frustrating. But you know, they scored like twenty-one points against Dallas. Dallas's defense is pretty good. It wasn't like a total joke. Yeah, they made game. they made them sweat. You know, it was you know Dallas had to work for the win, and. I would say the Redskins are like a six and 10 team. The giants look like a three and 13 team. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe you're right about that. Six. Yeah. Six and 10 probably doesn't put you in the bottom five, but uh, yeah. And partially if there's the head to head record, five. dolphins, giants, jets. I mean, for now I got to put the jets down there. Really? Raiders. Maybe. I don't know. The Raiders. I, I'm not decided dolphins, giants, jets. And then Trying to think who else is really that. Bengals Tampa might be there. Bengals could be there. They, you definitely have a candidate. 
Yeah, Canada they, for sure. A new a new contender emerges. You know, we'll see what happens with Pittsburgh. That's the other thing. You know, yeah, Pittsburgh could be really bad too. Without Ben, we'll see how good he really is. How important it, that he was to that team. Uh, he's well, out for the year. In case you didn't know, uh, and you're listening to this podcast, and you're not reading anything on Twitter or on, on our site. But he is out for the year. Do, by the way, don't read anything. Just listen to this podcast solely for your for not life only football news, but just your life news. This is it. Right. That's all that's going on. Right. For life. Uh, but uh, Ben needs surgery. He'll have that this week. He is out for the season, placed on IR already. Uh, Mason Rudolph is your, or Mason Randolph is your, uh, your your starter for the rest of the season here, at least for this week. We'll see. Uh, but, I mean, it's, it's ugly. It could be ugly. Although, I don't know. Maybe this will be more of a run-and-gun sort of team now. Maybe that it'll change. Got to think it hurts Juju uh, Smith-Schuster quite a bit, though. Well, I mean, there's only downside, right? I mean, Juju was supposed to get all the targets. Yeah. They were going to be at least, you know, serviceable to to good. And he had a good rapport with Roethlisberger. So it's possible he just resumes his role and he's really good with Rudolph. But, you know, there's downside, right? I mean, what if he likes James Washington? They play together in college, you said. I didn't even realize that. They certainly practiced together a bunch. They connected a bunch in the preseason the last couple of years. So there's risk, right? He hit Vance McDonald for some touchdowns. Are he and Juju on the same page? It's hard to say. Obviously, Juju's the number one guy, and they're going to call plays for him, but quarterback still goes through the progression, still eventually decides what he's comfortable throwing to. Yeah. So I think there's some risk of downside. I agree. Yeah. So, and I, you know, let's correct the record here again. Mason Rudolph, is, I had it right the first time. I'm an idiot. Uh, he was, you know, he, 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 he wasn't great yesterday. 12 and 19. Think, think, uh, think rain, Jeff, think reindeer. Yeah. Well, not, I'll get it now um, because I've already butchered it live. Places. Yeah. Not trading places. Right. Randolph Duke. Yeah. 12 of 19 for one twelve, two TDs and interception, but only 5.9 yards per attempt. They traded away Josh Dobbs the week before to deal with Jack because Jacksonville was dealing with their quarterback injury. Uh, so now Dobbs is gone. So, uh, you know, they've got to have, you know, it's, it's super thin uh, in, in terms of just who, who's going to play. And in case, if Rudolph does get hurt, it's really ugly. They just promoted a kid from the practice squad to be the backup. Um, it's just, I guess that's just the way, you know, next, next man up in, in football. Delvin Hodges is the guy they called up to be the backup there. But we'll have a couple guys to bid on this week. Would you prefer Rudolph or Teddy Bridgewater for the next six to eight weeks? Uh, Rudolph by a mile. Yeah, I, I think the polar perception is different. You, well, did you watch the Saints Rams? Oh, I did, and I agree with you. I agree with you. Actually, Bridgewater looked terrible. I mean, he looked worse than Taysom Hill. I mean, if I'm the Saints, I just say, you know what? Just wildcat it with Taysom Hill. I don't even care. You know what? Just don't even field the quarterback. Just cut both those guys and have Alvin Kamara take direct snaps and be a wildcat guy. You know, and then just like like Walter Payton maybe back in the day. Let Will Lutz punt also so that you get a couple extra roster spots for uh, God knows what, you know, but it's just, you know, maybe get start seven or eight offensive linemen, direct snap to Camara, just let him do his thing. But honestly, it's like Bridgewater was just, I cannot emphasize how bad he was. He was, it was like he was doing the dink and dunk thing that never taking a chance despite being down and not even doing that properly. I mean, when you see a guy who can't execute like the eight yard slant, you know, that's throwing it behind a guy and throwing it over his head and just being like wobbly or guys are covered and he's got a lot of time in the pocket and he neither scrambles for a first down nor throws to an open man or, you know, figures out like a second move. He just ends up throwing to a covered guy and it's easily defended. He was really bad. He was. He was a poor man, Sam Bradford, you know, short, you know, short passer, he but was without a- the accuracy. 17 of right. 30 for le- five and a half yards per attempt. Sam Bradford. Yeah. Yeah. And he was like trophy lie. He reminded me of trophy lie. Yeah. And maybe he'll get better, but you know, he just, ne- you know, the thing is he's, you know, he's for- a veteran. He's not going to get that much better, Jeff. I mean, there's, it's not like he's some guy like who's coming in off the street or, you know, you look at, um, what's the guy's name? Minshaw. He came in and just, Looked like a boss. He wasn't that great. Yeah. Never a great game, Gardner Minshew, but he was decisive. He scrambled well. He led them on the final drive. I, I thought Fournette scored, but regardless, you know, he, he was poised. He was ready. And 
that's a much worse team than the saints have. And Bridgewater who's a veteran just looked, he just didn't look like he belonged there. Yeah. Although I'll say this though, Minshaw put up six points on the board other than that two minute drill the entire day. So it wasn't yeah, like I'm he not was saying he played great, but at least like, I don't know, at least he led the offense on something. I mean, Bridgewater didn't get anything. No, he didn't. And Bridgewater, I mean, so his rookie year, he played 13 games. Second year, play, you know, played the full 16, then got hurt, obviously, way early on. Uh, but 7.2 yards per attempt, 7.3 yards per attempt his first two years. But he's had, he hasn't really had a, he hasn't had a legit season since 2015. He's basically missed the last three seasons. Uh, yeah, he was a caretaker in Minnesota. Okay. That was his job. And he was okay. He was sort of like poor man's Alex Smith basically then. And now it's a couple of years later and you know, it's, he's not probably quite as mobile or as spry as he used to be. Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. I, I mean, the saints have a good scheme. That's the one thing they have Camara. Camara's added a lot of yards to drew Brees in the last couple of years. You just dump a nice ball, but you need touch. I mean, one thing breeze brings is decisiveness touch. He, he can throw it, throw him like into, you know, lead him on the throw. So Kamara's running full speed, catching the ball without slowing down. It's an easy ball to catch, you know, breeze doesn't throw down the field anymore, but he knows what he's doing. And it sounds easy. Like just dump it to Kamara. But if you dump it slightly behind him or there's a defender there and you don't really know how to like throw him open a little bit, you know, it just makes it more difficult to catch the pass and, and get the head of steam and get into, get into space where Kamara's so tough. Yeah. And it's always easier said than done too, because teams are going to key on that, you know, just as Eli dumps it right. to Barkley a lot, doesn't mean there's anywhere for him to go. Right. They, they know which quarterbacks to respect and fear and which ones they don't. I mean, you know, that if, if you were to like try to take away Kamara and bring safeties up and, and, you know, shadow him, Breeze would throw it to Ted Ginn. Even if it's, you know, just throw it earlier. Right. He doesn't have the arm anymore, but he just, he would throw it down the field to Traquan Smith or somebody. I mean, they would do that because Breeze would see exactly what was happening and immediately punish them for doing it. Right. And I think that is, that's kind of what happens. I mean, Barkley has nowhere to go with Eli. He just doesn't have the, just doesn't have it really, you know? Yeah. Right. And so we'll see. I mean, Maybe it gets a little bit better, but yeah, it doesn't look good. It doesn't look good at all. And I would just gamble on on Rudolph in the dark. Yeah, Minshew. Like Rud- like, how about Minshew in that mix? Who would you? You still? Pur- who I would you- go Rudolph probably because although I I like Jackson, I like you know Chark. He's a little banged up too. Another injury that came up late. But Chark, Conley, Westbrook, those guys are fast. I just did a Sporkle quiz for tomorrow's East Coast offense, and I just I don't know why it's kind of apropos of nothing, but. All, the fastest 40 times among active players, the top 23, that's the only, that's all they had, um, four, three, five and, and, and under and Chark and Conley both ran four, three, fours. Westbrook didn't make the cut and he was four, three, nine. Yeah. have got three sub four, four receivers and there's 40 guys. The four, three, five or better. That's crazy. N- there's 23 active guys with the uh, four, three, five, or 23. 23. Gotcha. No, just, just, you know, skill players. No, uh, Right, no DBs or anything like that. Yeah, exactly. Obviously, there's plenty of DBs that that didn't count. And, like, some of them are, like, RG3 is one of them. And, like, one of them is Lamar Miller, who's out for the year. I mean, they're guys who ran at the combine. I doubt Lamar Miller runs that now or RG3. But, uh, but anyway, I think Jacksonville has some upside in the passing game. And there's a chance Minshew is some crazy good out-of-nowhere guy. But I think Rudolph has a little more upside. Just the Steelers have been such a good passing game for a long time. And I don't know exactly how much of that was Roethlisberger or the, the coaching staff, but the offensive line is typically good. The system is pretty good for generating passing production. Definitely better than Jacksonville in the past. I know Jacksonville has a new offensive coordinator from the Vikings. Right. Um, but uh, I just would kind of bet on Pittsburgh's system over Jacksonville. Fair enough. Fair enough. Before we move on, a quick John note. John the guy, by the way. What's that? Say that again? John DeFilippo? John DeFilippo is he is. Yeah, he is. And he worked with Foles back in Philly, too, which is another reason why the Foles injury was such a shame. Uh, before we move on, a quick note from one of, our, one of our sponsors. Getting tickets online can be far too complicated. With hundreds of sites and varying levels of reliability, it's hard to know who to trust. That's why SeatGeek is the way to go. SeatGeek pulls millions of tickets into one place, so you can easily find the seats you want for a price you're willing to pay. 
There's nothing quite like being there in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever. By searching multiple ticket sites and grading every ticket based on value, SeatGeek helps you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. Plus, every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. Made SeatGeek your go-to ticket source from everything to sports and concerts to comedy and theater. I actually have the SeatGeek app on my phone, and I've used it quite a bit of times. Uh, most recently uh, for uh, baseball tickets, actually. Uh, Dodger game one time, and then another time in Atlanta when I was with Scott, Scott Jenstad, a friend of the uh, Sunday baseball podcast, uh, when we were in Atlanta and we bought tickets to a Braves-Mets game when we saw Peter Alonzo uh, discover water in the new stadium in Atlanta there. There are a lot of great events coming up. Uh, NFL season has already started. Go get your uh, tickets through SeatGeek. Best of all, my listeners can get $10 off their first SeatGeek purchase of $30 or more. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code ROTONFL today. That's promo code ROTONFL for $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase of $30 or more. SeatGeek, life's an event. We have the tickets. Welcome back to the Monday Fantasy Football Podcast. Jeff Erickson here with Chris Liss. Uh, We are uh, breaking down all things from uh, week two. Looking forward to the Monday night game, Cleveland and the Jets. Uh, I'm actually, you know, I, I'm kind of optimistic about Nick Chubb tonight. I've been, you know, more I've been looking at that, the more I'm kind of thinking, like, this could be a pretty good setup here. They're, Cleveland's probably going to be playing with a good-sized lead. Uh, they're probably going to be, you know, you know if, you, if, you're, if things play out with, you know, Trevor Simeon really hurting this Jets offense, means they're not going to be on the field that much. means that Cleveland will be trying to protect that lead. They'll run with Chubb's, Chubb a little bit more. Yeah, you'd think it sets up well for Chubb, but NFL's so unpredictable. You know, yep. like Simeon leaning on drive, and everyone's like, what's going on? I mean, it's just so – it's like the things we think – the stories we tell ourselves, those might be the most likely stories, but they may be like, okay, this is like 35%. It just goes like we think. Like, okay, Chubb gets going. The Browns crush. He closes it out with, you know, 125 yards and a touchdown or two. That's like 35%. The other 35% is eh, he, it kind of goes like that. He has like 80 yards and no touchdowns and 30 yards receiving, and they win sort of a ugly close game. And there's like another 30% that just goes bizarrely where like either it's a shootout from both teams or the Jets get ahead 17 nothing quick and the Browns have to dig their way out, and it's mostly like throwing the ball and Jarvis Landry gets 11, you know, stuff like right. that. Like it happens all the time in the NFL. And so whatever we like think the game should be, I, we have to reduce that to like a 30, 35% chance. Like that's like, like, okay, this is how this game's going to go. Cause the line and these totals and the way the players are, whatever they, whenever you have a strong narrative about a game, it's realized that's like 35%. And then there's right. like the 35% totally unknown and 35% somewhere in the middle. Yeah. It's like having a, a 350 on base guy. That's really good, but it's still 35%. Right. Exactly. You're like, Oh my, I got a great, it's a great matchup. He's got a righty versus lefty and he's got a 380 Woba or whatever that, you know, and you're like, yeah, but he's still probably going to make an out. And he given a bat. Exactly. Exactly. So, uh, I want to look at a couple of guys that were big free agent targets this past week, how they did Miko Hardman, uh, four for 61 with a touchdown played great. Uh, had should have six, had two. Should had he had officially had I wrote six in my targets. Column was forty, and someone correct me. It would have been seventy-five more. Yards yeah, it was. A, that was a total game changer in DFS. If you had because they didn't replace that at all. They punted away after that. So it wasn't like oh, okay, well he got it. it was, Mahomes got it with someone else the next play. No, that was a total changer in that in that second half where neither team scored. It's so frustrating, uh, but. You know, you get it's a monster play for Hardman DFS, monster play for Mahomes, just big, big changer there. And uh, but it, it's one of those plays that won't show up in the box score. It's just a play that never happened. And there's so many of those. But he looked good. Uh, Demarcus Robinson, though, was the, the the man in this game. Really big game for him. Uh, you know, and he's now got seven for one seventy two on the season for two touchdowns. He looked like a he looked like he had a lot of game too. He he made a play on a ball too. It wasn't just like him being wide open or anything like that. He actively went out and got it. Went six for one seventy two and two touchdowns against the Raiders. Uh, all, he got all six of his targets. That tends to help the average a little bit there too. But uh, 
you know, and Baltimore gave up a ton of passing yards this this past week to Keller Murray. This could be a pretty decent game again for these chief guys at, you know, Hardman and Robinson. Dude, in DFS, I'm just starting Mahomes and Hardman and Robin, whatever the price, depending on the price, obviously Watkins go, he'll go down based on it. And Kelsey, I, who cares? Who cares who the defense is? I, I mean, honestly, I just don't even care. I just think it's, it's it was what I was saying about drafting Mahomes and the chiefs. That's the, that's the play. I yeah. mean, it's just, it doesn't really matter who the defense is. You can, you can guess whether, you know, so-and-so is going to have a good game because the matchup is good and the slot corner is missing and all this BS that we do, but I'm just going to take Mahomes. I don't really care who the defense is. Yeah. I, I feel because that way too. To price him up to a point where it's just like so ridiculous that you can't, you know, that it's just too expensive. Right. And is there any, there's really not anybody else that I, I put in that category at least unless until the price just goes crazy. Yeah. I, th- you know, it could be like uh, Russell Westbrook and, and James Harden in DFS poops, you know, where it's just. Yeah, or Clayton Kershaw, Pete Kershaw. You just started when he was there. You just took him because you knew you were getting like 10 strikeouts and no runs and a win. You just, you just okay, Kershaw's pitching. It's automatic. Why would you, why, you know, Kershaw's circa 2015. Like, why would you mess with it? Right. And it's it's kind of the same thing. And, yeah, they may, they may price him to a point where it becomes ridiculous, but. Right now, some of his receivers aren't that expensive, so you can pair him with receivers. I mean, I'm not even a DFS guy, really. I just do it for the hell of it. But all, all the matchup stuff is just—it's just like it's possible these guys do well with Mahomes, as long as they're healthy. It's like it got to feel it's like seventy percent that he has three touchdowns and three hundred yards. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Now, uh, you know, the the question is like, will he throw like for one or two touchdowns every once in a while because everything else is going well and you know that that kind of it hurts the overall performance you know tracking but you know that's true with any quarterback i mean it's going to be rare he threw 52 touchdowns last year you know that's more than three a game on average there will be a game or two he throws a one or two i think it'll be mostly when the weather gets a little colder this time of year i'd be loading up every week like you know december and something when he plays I don't know, Denver, he's in Denver in December. I don't know what, what month they go into Denver. You know, I could see it being more of a week 14 at new England week 15 home against Denver week 16 at Chicago. Right. So there you go. There's when he'll slow down his average, Yeah. but the, he'll be on some ridiculous pace and those games will slow him down. But, um, against new England, right. Whose defense hasn't given him a touchdown since it was the last person to throw a touchdown pass against new England is Mahomes, by the way. And he got shut out in the first half. And they scored 31 in the second half. Yeah. So that defense that held the Rams to three points, held the Steelers to three points with Roethlisberger and shut out the Dolphins in Miami, which is not that big a deal, but they did shut them out. Shut out a shutout. So right. yeah, right now they're 76 to three is their cumulative uh, total right, right now. So three points total in the season, including the game against the Steelers with Roethlisberger perfectly healthy. All right. Maybe not because he said it was bothering already. And then the Rams in the Super Bowl. He put up 31 points and a half against that defense. Yeah, that's so, true. You know, just keep keep riding it until you know maybe at even at Chicago I, I, we'll see we'll see what happens if the weather's bad enough. Obviously, it will hamstring the passing game. Meanwhile, the uh, the opposite end of the spectrum, the Dolphins have been outscored 102 to 10 so far. Uh, keep writing it on the opposite sort of way. Pick up the opposing defense. Use the opponent and survivor every week. I mean, well, no, survivor is going to be interesting because yeah. So so I don't I haven't looked at the numbers this week yet, but there's really two teams that are going to be overwhelming. It's it's the Patriots hosting the Jets. We'll see what the Jets are tonight, and it's the Cowboys hosting the Dolphins. Now most people are going to want to save the the Patriots who haven't didn't use the Patriots already. Right. Plus some people have used the Patriots already. There's people who have used the Patriots already. They can't use the Patriots. And then the people who didn't use the Patriots already wanted to save the Patriots. So they're going to do that again. So I don't think many people are going to be on the Patriots this week. Well, look at the Patriots schedule home against the jets next week at Buffalo. Okay. You won't use them there at Washington. Shouldn't use them there, but some will home against your giants. I mean, that's a pretty great little schedule there. I mean, look, they've got at least eight games, Washington Giants and the six divisional games that are just layups, right? So, I mean, people want to save the Patriots. But the thing is, that means people are going to use Dallas. And actually, Joe Sheehan sent me an email about it because he was like, this is going to get crazy, isn't it, for Survivor? Yeah. And he was asking asking for a discussion on this. 
in the column, but I was sort of like, it's going to be put into the polling numbers. We're going to see the polling numbers. And I think Dallas this week, I haven't looked at all, I'll look at them tomorrow could be like, you know, I think Dallas could be like 70, 75% owned. Yeah. I did a poll yesterday and, on that and that was, I did like less than 35, 35, 50, 50 to 70 over 70 and over 70 was the most common response. Right. So then you got to start doing the math of what if they lose, obviously the Patriots are the best play this week if they're not very owned because it's almost like a buy. Um, but I may have to go to the third one, which is the Eagles or whoever it is. I got to look at all the, the games. But either way, if the if the Cowboys do somehow lose, I mean, your whole pool is totally wiped. You're like, oh, the Cowboys aren't going to lose. That's ridiculous. Oh, really? You know, think, so you think it's so ridiculous? Well, Vegas is, is going to give you a line. You should just go to Vegas then, and you could probably lay like 20 to 1 or 25 to 1. Mm-hmm. So you want to get a free four grand, just go with your 100 grand to Vegas right now, and you got four grand. It's free. They can't lose, right? I mean, go with 200 grand. Now you've got eight grand. They can't lose. I mean, it's why don't you just get every bit of savings that you have and go to Vegas and put it on the Cowboys money line because they can't lose. Are you going to do that? No, you're not going to do that. Why? Because they can lose. That's why. And that's the thing. Survivor's the same thing. It's like, yeah, there's like a four or 5% chance they lose. But that's why like and only professional gamblers can really benefit from those crazy lines. Reminds me of Floyd Mayweather versus Colin McGregor, where there was more money on Mayweather, but way more bets on McGregor. It's all like the right. casual betters, like, you know, oh, you got to take that, take advantage of these odds or it's great white hope. Or, and plus there's a lot of MMA, MMA fanboys too, uh, all like throwing their money at him. And all, meanwhile, all the professional gamblers were trying to gin up enough money. So they, cause they thought it was free money. Right. But it's not free money. Even that wasn't free money, but that was probably more free money than this. Yeah. The, the thing is like, the true odds in this game are about 20 to one, 19 to one, something like that. And 19 to one, you don't get on a plane with a one in 20 chance of crashing. You don't do it because one in 20 happens. It, of course it happens. Yeah. So you got to play survivor with that mindset. Like, yeah, this plane crash might happen. It's one in 20. If everybody's on Dallas and that crashes, whoa, now we're toward the end of the pool already. Yeah. So you, you really, I'm going to, I'm going to crunch the math in the column. I think it'll be interesting. But we'll see how high it goes. Now, it might not go high enough. If it's 70, it might not be high enough. The Patriots will be the top choice. I'm positive of that in my column, but I use them already this week. The second choice will either be Dallas or it'll be whoever it is, the Eagles or whoever. I got to look at it. Yeah. See, for me, I I mean, I think I need that number to be over 75% used, 80% used on the Cowboys before I switch off them, maybe even higher. Well, you got to look at the numbers. You got to look at what it is. Maybe 90% the, even. I was, my, well, first gotta, thing I thought of was at, I need it to be 90 before I think about going off of them. Well, let's just, I could do the numbers in my head with 90. If it's 90, okay, so you got a 100 person pool, it's 90. Okay, so if they did lose, you would have basically 10 people left, right? Yeah. You'd have 10 times your money. And then a couple other people would lose on other teams too. So you'd probably have like six people left you know, seven people left. So you'd have a one in seven chance and say everyone put in 10 bucks, a hundred person pool of winning a thousand. So your equity would be like 140 bucks, 140 something bucks, 147 bucks or something. Mm-hmm. So you'd go from 10 to 147. So you're, you're getting like 14 to one on that. Right now, if you just took the Cowboys and won, then only a handful of people would lose and you would basically, you know, just have like 10 and change. Right. So you're, you're basically like 14 to one you're getting in terms of the payout for that, for, you know, if it's 90 and in terms of the risk, you know, you'd have to calculate the, the, you know, the Dallas winning is 95% and then the other team losing, say it's the Eagles is 20%. So 95 of 20 is like, you know, 19%. So there's a 90% chance that the Eagles lose. And then, uh, and again, I'm gonna do these numbers cause I'm just making these up, but I'll be more precise. And then the other one, there's a 5% chance and then, you know, 4% chance that the Eagles win and Dallas loses. So it's 19 to four. So your ratio is only like four. Your risk ratio is only like four to one, five to one. Your reward ratio is 14 to one. Yeah. So at 90, it's a no brainer, right? But if you go to 80, it might flip the other way, right? Because now right. there's a lot more people left 
So your payout's a lot less and your risk, you know, and your risk could be the same It's 80%. You just, it, it, about 80, I think is where it starts to cross in the eighties, high seventies, low eighties is where it crosses. But in 90, it's a no brainer to, to fade Dallas. Wow. I hope I, yeah, I hope it stays at 70 <laughs> or whatever it is. I don't, I haven't looked at it yet to see what it is. Cause it's too soon. In fact, it's not even open in most, most of my pools, but, uh, yeah, I want that. All right. Uh, before we move on a quick note from our sponsor fantasy draft, fantasydraft.com would like to bring you an important message about rake. Are you tired of paying high fees to play daily fantasy? Did you know that over time, these fees, called Rake, can cost Daily Fantasy players over 30% of their bankroll? As Daily Fantasy sites continue to raise Rake, prize pools are being squeezed more and more, making it harder and harder for players like you to win. More Rake just means more money lining the pockets of the big DFS sites and less money for players. But change has arrived. Fantasy Draft has changed the game by bringing you Rake-free Daily Fantasy. That's right. You're now able to play your favorite fantasy contests without paying any Rake. On Fantasy Draft, 100% of entry fees will be paid out to contest winners 100% of the time. Playing your favorite contest rake-free on Fantasy Draft will save you hundreds or even thousands of dollars in rake every month. Rake-free Daily Fantasy is truly a game changer. Just imagine what playing on Fantasy Draft is going to do for your bankroll. Register at FantasyDraft.com today to take part in the rake-free revolution. Use promo code RWNFL to receive a free 7-day trial. And welcome back to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Jeff Erickson here with Chris Liss on Monday, September sixteenth. So, Chris, a uh, couple other takeaways. I, I I've started my rewatching. Although, uh, like you, I was dealing with some tech glitches. I think a lot of people are hitting it all at once. But uh, I watched a lot of Indy Tennessee actually, and because that was one of the ones I watched the mix channel when there's so many games uh, at once. I'll have like, and I had one primary which was. Bengals game and then the other I had the mixed channel on I when the Bengals were on commercial I'd flip to the red zone uh for that channel but Indy and Tennessee was not one of the ones on the mixed channel so uh you know I I was like okay I'm gonna watch that one first because I didn't get to see very much of the play-by-play this one first of all it was beautiful because it was a quick game uh but you know pretty well played actually Marcus Mariota doesn't look that great though I just he's just eh and they do stupid things like you got to, you know, some teams will do a jet sweep with their wide receivers or like an end around or something like that. You've got Corey Davis, you got AJ Brown. They seem like good, good candidates for that. No, they use Cole, Ble- Cole Beasley for, or no, not, no, not Cole Beasley, Adam Humphreys. Sorry. All, all, all deceptive speed receivers look alike. But yeah, so, uh, but they categorize people for that reason. They used Adam Humphreys on that play and like a critical play and it just did nothing. And then they got sacked the next play and they're out of field goal range. They just do little things like that. That just, you know, that I guess it, but you know, it, what it does is those are the plays they were not making the week before against Cleveland, the bad plays they were not making. You know, it's, it, it's like a little margin of error, like for some of these teams, what went right, what went wrong. And game can game can get turned on that where where Cleveland did that to themselves every every time last week had like 180 yards of penalties this week. It was Tennessee doing that, you know, little things like that. They get us take a you know, take a sack. Uh, Taj Taj Sharp makes a catch and runs backward at the marker. And so they don't get the first down. And so then they, you know, they have to like later on, they, they, they have to punt or whatever they are. They miss. They have to kick from farther out. Little things like that. They, they were doing all along. The Colts really impressed me. I think they're a really good team. You know, if they had luck, I can see why they'd be, you know, one of the favorites. Even with Brissett, they, 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 they're still a pretty good team. Yeah, I know. They're tough, and they lost Darius Leonard to a concussion. We'll see if he plays this week, but that's yeah, that's a key player for them. But, you know, As you like them. to say, at least he contributed before he got concussed. He had the decency to do that. Had a ton of tackles in this game, so uh, he, he was actually really good before that, at least. But... They look good. I mean, you know, Marlon Mack looks really good. That offensive line looks good. They take out Mack. Jordan Wilkins comes in, has a couple of big runs. He's past Hines, by the way, as the number. Like, if Mack gets hurt, pick up Wilkins. Yeah, that, that seems that seems right. I, he did have that long run. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, they're just a solid team. That they, you know, a good. I think scheme is everything. This is the test. The Colts are the test case, right? It's like yeah. who's a superstar quarterback? Bring in not a Bridgewater, but at least a competent guy who we Brissett is what we thought people thought Bridgewater was. Yeah. You know, a guy who's like a competent caretaker. Maybe there's more upside to him than that. You know, if he, you know, they finally like he gets comfortable and they can do a little bit more, but, um, 
I think the system is going to be fine with Brissett and good offensive line and you have a solid defense and good playmakers and good running game. I mean, I, I think they'll be fine. I think the scheme, if you have a Frank Reich or an Andy Reed or a Sean Payton, usually it works out. Mm-hmm. Brissett, I mean, Bridgewater, that's what, that's the sort of case for picking him up over Rudolph, by the way, is that all you need to have is a floor at a quarterback and it'll be fine. And the question is whether Bridgewater is above that floor or not. Right. And the thing is they traded for him too. They, they gave up significant assets to try to make sure that they were protected. Like there was a, actually a bidding war on Bridgewater. Uh, then that, that, that's the thing that kind of blows my mind a little bit there. Yeah. I thought, I thought the giants should just get Bridgewater for a year. You know, don't, don't like force the run, you know, don't get a quarterback unless you really like one. And I was like, whatever you do, don't stick with Eli, get somebody who's young enough that could be good. But from what we've seen at Bridgewater, which isn't that much, it seems kind of hopeless. Yeah. There was a lot to watch uh, yesterday. You know, we talked about 10 games at once and all that. Uh, we're not going to break down every game, but can you give me a couple other takeaways from what you did see this week that you wanted to talk about? Yeah, I have, I have the whole blog up, but I can't off the top of my head. All right. Well, I'll pick a game at random. Just, I gotta, let me put it up and I'll give you a couple because I, I have like a million of them, but I just like. Yeah, and I read your whole blog, but uh, so. Uh, so I, have, I have a bunch, but like, you know, one was like, you know, the Mahomes is the money in the bank. The other uh, is that um, there's a lot of old players for some reason that are prominent. Like Peterson started, Cooper, um, sorry, uh, Peterson started. You got like. Um, Frank Gore piling Frank Gore in getting for carries, a touchdown. Jason Witten catching a touchdown. Darren Sproles gets carries and catches. Larry Fitzgerald, uh, Brady and Breeze, obviously. Vinny Terry looks like he's going to get cut, but it's just there's so many old guys in the league. That's just a random thing that it was so rare that there was like even like a 34 year old running back at all. That was like a whole bunch of them. You know what um, happens sometimes? We see like things like that. Last week, week one, it was the rookie pass catchers theme. And we like kind of see, group these things together and kind of create a, a storyline out of it there. And they're really unrelated events. They're really, this young guy did something. This young guy did something. Different game, different team, different thrower. Well, they might be, but they also might be that, you know, that like with the new rules or something, the speed is a huge premium. And the young guys are always the fastest. And a bunch of fast guys got drafted. Mm-hmm. And that's what they want. That's the new way they're going to attack you know, it was a dink and dunk offense. And then, you know, everyone started starting a slot corner and, you know, so there's like different ways to attack that. And one of them might just be go over top of it. Like, you know, just don't worry about the little slot corner who's guarding the, you know, the Jamison Crowder, Julian Edelman types, go beat those guys down the field. So maybe it's not a coincidence. The old guys, I don't really know what that's about, but I just can't remember when this many old guys were on the field, like in your TV for so long. I don't really like it. I'd rather some young guys play. But it's just funny. Like, they're just getting carry still. Yeah, well, Devin Singletary got hurt, so Gore got more playing time late, for instance. Uh, that happens sometimes. But but the fact that Gore is even in the league still. I mean, in, in 2012, you know, we talked about, you know, the the early that early first round, like Luck, RG3, Trent Richardson, Justin Blackman. I mean, what a disaster. Matt Khalil, I think, is done. All these guys, it, it, like the top five picks are all gone, yet Frank Gore – who was already winding it down in 2012. It's now 2019. He's still starting. I mean, it's like, it's unbelievable. Or Larry Fitzgerald is still the number one receiver there. It's just Larry Fitzgerald's even like playing pretty well. Yeah. Uh, I will say it's funny. uh, I think it's really funny that, you know, we'll see like, how can Andrew Luck retire like that when the Colts are just about to be good? Oh, and when will Frank Gore go away? He stayed around too long. You know, we get yeah. a little, <laughs> can't have it both ways. I mean, it's just amazing. I just think it's amazing. That guy's still around. He's a running yeah. back. He's, he's playing like he's a kicker or a punter or something. You don't play for 15, 20 years as a running back. Uh, a couple of things. Jalen Ramsey just totally shut down Deandre Hopkins. That was uh, noteworthy. The Hopkins had like four catches or 40 yards. You'd never see him do that little. Mm-hmm. Um, I made a joke about Derek Carr, Derek horse and buggy. He was terrible. Derek Carr just could not get anything going. It's a chief defense. Yeah. Why can't you get something going? It was like little short tosses to Darren Waller. They, you know, everyone's like, Oh, Darren Waller. They're throwing like five yard passes to him. He's running like another three yards and getting knocked out of bounds. Well, and that worked for one quarter. And then the rest of the game, they did nothing. It's like, what are you, where's the offense? What are you doing? Attack, you know, and you gotta, Derek Carr just seems like very, very mediocre. Um, I will say, I mean, they got, they let, 
you know, they cut Antonio Brown. They don't have any very many other weapons. When Terrell Williams and Josh Jacobs both get banged up in that game, second half, there's really not not much to turn to. Yeah, I just like to see. You know, they used to have Johnny Holton, and they would just throw a deep ball. You know, do something. It's just so that it was so lame. I mean, you're playing the Chiefs. You're down 18. You should be slinging it all over the place. Mounting long drives on short passes is just not still point. What do you, why even bother? Maybe they're, they're trying to practice for next week. I don't know what, um, Carlos Hyde got most of the carries was pretty good. Everyone was so sure he was terrible. Duke Johnson is good. Duke Johnson might end up like in the same role he had on the Browns. He might, he might. It's, we may see one thing and coaches see another thing, you know, it might be blitz pickup. It might be understanding of the playbook. It might be things that, you know, we don't necessarily get. I'm not saying it is just saying that, that that's a possibility there. Uh, one other thing I'll throw out too. Uh, I mean, we're talking about all these injuries. We haven't even found out more on James Conner. Haven't found out more on Jacobs. Both chiefs running backs are banged up. Damian Williams and LaShawn McCoy. You might see Darwin Thompson evolve into a better, bigger role. Sure. Survival of the fittest in Kansas City, whoever can stay healthy. Yeah. Uh, it might not be worth anything because they're facing Baltimore, and you probably want to try to pass against them instead of run anyhow. Uh, uh, you want a piece of all of that, though. Anything tied to them that's getting opportunity. It's probably true. That's probably right. Uh, but, but, like, Arizona ran for, like, 21 yards against Baltimore. Uh, they, they just kind of gave up on the run entirely. And then I, I, don't, I think that hurt them in the red zone at the very least. That's, that's always been a critique of the spread offense. Going back to, the, you know, when it first got introduced in college, you know, that it, it, the spread is great for running out of except for around the goal line. Right. Well, you know, that's why, you know, the Patriots, everyone says running backs don't matter, but they drafted Sony Michelle in the first round. And I think they know that there's a time of the year and a time in games where you have to play power football. Yep. I think that's probably first and goal to six. You know, you don't want to be throwing it all over the place. You want to go out and push the guys back and have somebody who can efficiently get through the hole and score and get three yards. And so I, I don't I'm not sure if that's the only reason they drafted Sony Michelle, but everyone's like, Oh, running backs don't matter. Why would you draft a running back in the first round? The Patriots did it. And I think, I think Sony Michelle was a big part of their Super Bowl run last year. And and they I think they know that there's a time and place for power football. Um Rashad Penny outproduced Chris Carson and Chris Carson fumbled, I think he lost one, but maybe fumbled twice. That's kind of significant. You gotta watch that battle. Uh the other thing is that Tyler Lockett had twelve targets. He only had two the first week. Yeah. I didn't think he'd get enough targets. But he had he had like seventy yards on twelve targets. He was like Jarvis Landry out there. And that's just kind of weird. Uh, I guess the targets are the important thing, but you know, what they weren't like downfield. Right. Um, where would you rank Lamar Jackson among QBs, Jeff? Mahomes is one. Is Lamar Jackson two? Maybe. I Actually, probably three. I put Watson ahead of him still probably. But, man, it's close. Um, that, that's I – ha- I, in my first beat Jeff Erickson, we did it August 3rd, you know, right after the first round of play- preseason games – I went uh, Lamar Jackson and Tom Brady as quarterbacks 21 and 22. And I and like this week, I was like, oh, God, who do I start? <laughs> yeah, that's that's a pretty good problem to have. I, I got Brady. I took Trubisky. So funny. In my beat, Christmas, I took uh, I took Godwin and Evans in the 2-3 because I picked really early, and I got McCaffrey as my first pick. And then everyone was like, oh, you got to get Winston. You got to get Winston. And around 12, I was like, I'll take Alex Madison because he's got upside because cook gets hurt a lot and be a good situation. And Winston went, and I was bummed. So I took Trubisky, but then like five rounds later in the 18th, I got Brady <laughs> So now I'm Brady and that's my quarterback. That's so funny. That's so funny indeed. All right. Um, and th- that shows draft early. Don't draft late folks draft early. So that was late though. That yeah. was late. That was, it was Josh Gordon. We knew was already reinstated, but we didn't know what he was. Or maybe maybe he was reinstated, but he was still on the not on the like. He wasn't on the pu the whatever it is pup, but he was like something. He wasn't like practicing yet, so right. he wasn't really practicing yet. And the Antonio Brown thing wasn't even a thing yet, and he went really low. So funny how that works. All right, um, well. I, I think that wraps up week one. We could have, I mean, week two, we could have talked about a lot of different things, but uh, got, 
got to squeeze a lot in there, and we don't want to make this like an hour and a half epic, so we'll, we'll stop there. Uh, but good stuff. Uh, thanks again to Yahoo for sponsoring us. Make sure to check out e, uh, Chris's observations blog. Look out for East Coast offense tomorrow. Look out for my week three value meter tomorrow, tomorrow night on that. Kevin Payne's free agent article. We'll get you, if you got free agent questions, hit up Kevin. He, he does that. That's the early article. I'm the late article for Stardom Sidham, and I have my ideas, of course, but you know that's the way the schedule is going to work. Thank you guys for uh, listening to Rotowire. Please subscribe, rate, and review, and we'll catch up again with you next week. Take care. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.